There is so much craziness and rhetoric going around now in the media and on social media. The world seems to be spinning out of control faster and faster. And the media is doing a good job of trying to control so many of us using fear. And millions are succumbing to it. everybody. I'm Janice Christensen, and this is The Tangled Angle. Here on this podcast, we address the tangled angles of conservative American values given to us by the Constitution while using facts and keeping it classy. I am a news junkie with a passion and interest in politics, government, and American history, and I spent 16 years in the halls of the Washington State Legislature supporting my husband, Dan Christensen, who is in the House of Representatives. Now with this podcast, I'm able to share and discuss what I've learned and experienced, along with some historical context of where we are on the timeline of history. Our civilization and our nation are crumbling and falling apart at a rapid pace. It's staggering. It's hard to absorb. And what was normal and expected for thousands of years seems to have been questioned and mocked in a matter of a few short years. What was normal, what was common sense, what was expected, what was predictable, and held in high regard, like God, worshiping God, marriage between one man and one woman, having children, our duty to our nation, our duty to others, our duty to our fellow citizen, it's all trivialized and scorned now. The road we are on as a nation is not good. Reading history, nations that were in our circumstances, namely rebellion against God, rebellion against the God who made us, and following all that is good and right and true, and following his commands that he laid out for our own good. The nations that were in our circumstances down through history, who did not stop the insanity and stop the rebellion, fell from within. They ceased to exist. They were overrun by their merciless enemies, and many nations were extinguished due to their own rebellion and sin. A life well lived, as we've all been watching the life of Queen Elizabeth II, who just passed away, and hearing about her life. A life well lived is not that dramatic when it's lived intentionally well. Most people want routine, sanity, and level heads to prevail. Most people are not looking for a fight, but with what has happened in the last few years in our culture as a nation, many people who are slow to being provoked are getting heated up. We cannot let the leftists and the crazy people in our nation provoke us to violence. We have to remain calm and rational, trying to hold the line for reasonableness and truth and not allowing them to provoke us because they're absolutely crazy. Those 16 years that my husband was in the legislature, the Washington State Legislature, as a conservative Republican, I spent years in Olympia also during the legislative sessions, and I learned that most of what government does and how government functions is slow and boring. It's supposed to be this way. Most people can't even name who their legislators are, either at the state level or at the federal level. There's 435 members of Congress, and most people can name a few of them. Serving in the legislature and serving in government 
is usually obscure and boring, and it's supposed to be this way. Running a state and managing budgets, overseeing what's best for the citizens of a state, is not supposed to be what suspenseful movies and horror films are made of. Most of what government is supposed to do is very scheduled, routine, predictable, known, on the calendar, and hopefully done by those who are qualified to do the job that they're hired or elected to do. Most people who work for a living want to do their jobs well, earn a paycheck, and find real fulfillments in life elsewhere, like in marriage, having kids, enjoying and worshiping the God who made us, and things apart from our work. Now, with the violent and unrealistic video games, transing the kids, mutilating the bodies of adolescents and young adults, the world's spinning out of control. And all the other crazy that's happening, we need to get back to sanity, both in our homes, in our schools, in our communities, and in our government. And there's no other way to do this than to realize we are not each the center of our own universes, but we're connected to one another, that each of us was made by God in his image. And apart from him, there's only chaos and confusion, addiction and death. So how do we get back to sanity? This era that the Queen of England represents, what is bygone? Just because it's old doesn't mean it's useless. So how do we, as I say in the beginning of this podcast, how do we rebel? Well, here's my recipe for a sound and vibrant country. First of all, go to church. Then work, get married, have kids, buy a house, buy a gun, salute the flag, vote, and love our country. And I'm going to break these down one by one. The first one I suggest is go to church. This is where the transcendent truth is found. And reading the Bible and going to church is the only way we can get to the very bottom of the questions of who am I and why was I born? What is my purpose? What was I born for? Why was I born in this era? Is there a point to this life? What is it? The left does not want you armed with this truth. And knowing the truth helps us expose their lies and schemes. But going to a Bible-believing church and reading the Bible answers all these questions. My second suggestion is to get married. I've, I, I, my husband and I have been married for almost 37 years, and responsible adulthood doesn't really begin until you get married. And I know there's a lot of single people out there. But I looked up some statistics, and according to statistics in the United States... 95% of all people before they die will have been married at least once. And 60% of the population is married by age 30. Just about everyone in the nation, except 5% of us, will be married in our lifetimes. And in this marriage, this vow before God to love, honor, and cherish in sickness and in health this is where the average adult realizes that life isn't just about me anymore, but about someone else that needs to come before me morning, noon, and night, 365 days a year. This is really the beginning of adulthood. No longer as being single, we just can only care about ourselves and our own calendars and our own schedules. But all of a sudden, there's someone else that we are responsible for. And marriage is this beginning of a stable nation. The family is the bedrock of any healthy nation. One mother, one father, and kids. That is the bedrock of any community and any healthy nation. The next thing I suggest is to have kids. This is into responsible adulthood. 
after getting married. And kids are the stability of a nation because this is the future. When kids enter the picture, when kids enter a marriage, all of a sudden a lot of life gets much more serious. Parents care more than anyone else about the future of a nation because it's their own kids that are going to have to live in it. It's interesting that in this election year, I've been reading so much about the upcoming elections, and they're titling this year, the year of the parent, showing up at school board meetings, homeschooling, pulling their kids out of public school at an overwhelming rate, and on and on. This is the year of the parent. The parents are realizing, I need to own this. I need to take control of this. I need to not hand over the education and the upbringing of my children to the school or the church or wherever else it would be. This is the year of the parent. Hallelujah. I'm so happy about that. My next suggestion is work. In the Garden of Eden, if you read the Bible in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve worked before the fall. They worked in the Garden of Eden. Work is good for us. It wasn't some toil and some exhausting endeavor that we were given after the fall. Work has been ingrained into every cell of our body since we were created by God. It teaches us the value of a dollar. And when you have to pay for your own stuff, all of a sudden, that person who works and earns their own money cares about wages and income tax rates and how much does stuff cost and budgeting and how do I get myself around with transportation and owning a home and possibly buying a home and doing all the other things that responsible adults do begins with work. And typically the work we do is for others. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can benefit from our work. And obviously we do. We feed ourselves, we pay our bills, we manage to live responsible lives, but work is usually serving others in some way, either through producing a product or performing a service. And contributing to your own well-being and the benefit and well-being of others is why we work. And work is really the beginning of selflessness. It actually comes before getting married and having kids. It's realizing we are not the center of the universe, but that our most fulfilling life's work is to give up our lives for others. Yes, we earn money, but most of us work to earn that money for the benefit of ourselves and for the benefit of others. We all want to produce a product or perform a service that benefits someone else. That's why we work. My next step in how to rebel in this nation and in this crazy world is to buy a house. Now, if you live in the state of Washington, it's extremely expensive, and we have lost all three of our kids to different states who wanted to own a home and couldn't afford one in Washington. And I think this is a small example of the much larger picture of what's happened in our nation during COVID is the mass migration all over the United States, mostly people leaving the blue states, which are very expensive, very tax burdensome, and heavily regulated and fleeing to the red states, which typically have less taxes, lower cost of living, lower real estate prices, and more job opportunities. But buying a house is the mark of a free people and a free country, because the citizens of this country can own houses and vineyards and fields and real estate. In communist countries, the citizens are enslaved to the government, and they own nothing. Think of China, think of North Korea, 
Think of these states. Yeah, yeah, I know that there's home ownership in China, but they basically rent it for the government, which we're getting closer and closer to do that here in America with the high property taxes that are crushing people out of their homes. But property right, most exemplified by owning a home, is one of the foundational principles to, to preserve our republic. If we don't have property to stand on, physical real estate to stand on, physical real estate to defend, we're left vulnerable and weak. And many other rights, like the freedom of speech and the freedom to bear arms, is weakened. If there's nowhere to store your gun, how will we preserve the Second Amendment? If there's no property to defend, what are we going to defend? It is about the real estate. And home ownership puts another stake in the ground of a decision to be a citizen of a free country. And buying a home and owning a home is the first step to realize that life carries responsibilities. And people treat real estate and items they own far better than something that is rented. Just think about renters and tourists who pass through towns. Residents and citizens buy a house in the town. There's a big difference. And look how rental cars are treated versus those who own their own vehicle. And look at how rental homes are treated and not taken care of versus driving through neighborhoods where the homes and condos are owned by those who occupy them. There's a big difference. Because buying a home invests someone's heart, care, and concern into the neighbors and the neighborhood around them, no matter how well we know those neighbors or not. It is a stake in the ground. We are more heavily invested in the area we live in when we own a home. And at the very least, we're concerned about what the value of our home is when our neighbor wants to do something stupid to their own home. We care about that because it brings down the value of all the rest of the homes in the neighborhood. So home ownership keeps us accountable to one another and gives us the real estate to stand on to defend our freedoms. And when someone buys a home, many new concerns come up. What are the schools like? What is the quality of life here? What's the traffic and transportation like? These are not nearly the concern to the renter as they are to the homeowner. And it also comes up, who should I vote for? What legislative district do I live in? What's happening in my town, my city, my county, and my state? Home ownership forces people to ask all these questions. And during the mass migration during COVID, many people sold their homes in blue states and moved to the red states. Like I already said, this is a serious statement because millions of people voted with their real estate choices and concerns because of what was going on in their states. Buying a house is one of the marks of a good rebel, of a good citizen who wants to rebel against what's going on today and say, no, I'm going to invest here. My next suggestion is to buy a gun. And my husband and I have been gun owners all our lives. We've taught our kids how to safely handle and store firearms. And in podcasts 36 and 37, I cover the Second Amendment and the topic of guns, both from a political and personal perspective. Being a gun owner is one of the rights here in our nation given to us by the Second Amendment, which is known as the Bill of Rights to the Constitution. And gun ownership and really overall weapon ownership is the mark of a free people, a citizenry that can defend both body and property against threats and danger is a free citizenry. And the mark of a people that can defend themselves should a government get out of hand and become tyrannical is one that governments fear. Good government serves the people and fears their reaction and their anger should those in government get out of hand. 
This is why many governments around the world have disarmed their people and become socialist and communist nations. Because a disarmed people are weak, defenseless, easily ruled, easily intimidated, and easily enslaved. The beauty of having the Second Amendment here, whether you own a gun or not, is you're benefiting, you're benefiting from it. Anyone can buy a gun in our nation. Well, if you're not a convicted criminal or so on. But the average citizen, anyone can buy a gun here. And millions of guns are sold each year, as, as I said in my earlier podcast. The latest estimates, there are about 350 million guns in the United States. And it's really hard to count because down through the centuries, guns have been handed down and given as gifts. And I know, you know, in the last five minutes, the state of Washington has made these things illegal. But it's estimated there are about 350 million guns in the United States, approximately one per person. This is the largest army in the world, and our government knows it. That's why there's such a battle in many states to restrict the use of ownership of guns and restrict what guns can do. And the left says, oh, it's about safety, it's about protecting the children, it's about preventing mass shootings. Well, maybe that's all well and good on the surface, but their real aim is to disarm a free people so they can rule over us. Anybody who studies history for longer than five minutes realizes this fact and that a disarmed people are easily enslaved and overtaken. And maybe some of you listening to me can say, well, I've never owned a gun. I'm kind of afraid of them. I don't really know what to do, and I don't even know where to start. And gosh, I don't even know. I haven't even thought about it. They scare me because I've seen what's happened in the movies and on these mass shootings. And if you really want to own a gun, just go to your local gun shop or your local gun store and start asking questions. They are more than happy to answer questions. Many reputable gun stores also have shooting ranges that you can test out the products before you decide which one you wanna buy. Take a gun class, they have beginner classes. They have classes for non-gun owners who are thinking about purchasing their first gun. It's not hard, it just takes time and effort and learning about how to handle, safely handle and safely store a gun. And again, many people have this fear of guns because all they know, they've only seen them used with violence or in the movies or in violent video games. But this is not the way most guns are used in the United States. The statistics are in 2021 alone, 39 million hunting licenses were issued. That means that 39 million men, well, mostly men, yes, I know women also hunt, but 39 million people responsibly and legally, took a gun, went outside, and went hunting. That's what free people do, with no fanfare and no violence. And this happens every year. Responsible and legal gun ownership empowers a people to maintain and keep their other freedoms. It's the level of the playing field. It levels all discrepancies between the strong and the weak, if honest citizens can legally own firearms. My next suggestion is to salute the flag. And oh my gosh, if you just watch the last few years of all these sports figures that will kneel before the flag, will kneel, they'll kneel during the Star Spangled Banner, and they think they're making some amazing statement. Well, what they're really doing is they're causing a lot of controversy and division. And I don't even understand these sporting teams. You know, if you put on the jersey of a sporting team that's paying you to play a game, it's not the time to make a political statement. Do what you're paid to do and play the sport. 
And then maybe off the field on your own time without wearing the jersey, you can say whatever you want to say. But when you put on the jersey of a sporting team, it's time to play the sport and be responsible to the employer that hired you to play the game. That's it. Oh, it gets so frustrated. But it is patriotism and saluting the flag draws us together and unites us around a common set of values and unites a people who live on the same piece of real estate called a nation that forms a country. Saluting the flag and saying the Pledge of Allegiance draws us together and reminds us what we have in this free country, regardless of race, regardless of religion, regardless of social economic status. Saluting the flag draws us together. And right now in our nation, the Constitution is hanging by a thread, and saluting and honoring the flag is paying respect for those who have fought and died to gain us our freedoms. The flag is the symbol that can be flown anywhere around the world, and people understand what that represents. It's a simple symbol. It's a simple piece of cloth. But it even has flown on the moon to show who we are as a nation and what we've accomplished to the world. And it's showing respect to your fellow citizen and respect for the country that we all call home. And I look at this controversy that surrounded the flag in the last few years, and there's so much more to this piece of cloth because it stands for our liberty and freedoms and all the people who fought and died to give us our liberty and freedom down to the 240-whatever years we've been a nation. Since 1776, this amazing nation that lasted far more than most other nations under the same constitution. That's almost unheard of. Which brings me to my next point, is we all should vote. Every eligible citizen who is here legally and a legal citizen of the United States of America should vote. We must make the time to make an informed decision when we vote and to preserve our state and nation and to elect those people who will uphold and defend the Constitution, both the, the U.S. Constitution and our individual state constitutions. And giving in to our whims and the fads of the day will not give us stability or give us a nation that will long endure when we must vote. It's our right here in America to express our opinion in a meaningful way and to elect those people who have an understanding of what it takes to run a nation. And tweeting and posting on social media and screaming an opinion on TikTok is going to fade away. It will not have any lasting effect like voting will. Voting is your opportunity to express your opinion in a meaningful and lasting way and making an impact on your community and state. It is so important to vote. They say, oh, it, my vote doesn't matter, and it's all corrupt anyway, and the people who count the votes are just, you know, they're corrupt, and they cheat. Well, we still need to vote. The honest people still need to vote. They have to count all the honest votes also. So if all of the honest people stop voting, it'll sure be a cheated system. We have to vote. The honest people have to vote and vote in large numbers. It matters. There's no other way to express our opinion and to elect those people that we want to see in office if we don't vote. We have to vote as a nation. We have to vote as a people and think, oh, my candidate doesn't win or, you know, the things on the ballot that I like don't ever win. That doesn't mean we should quit. We have to keep voting, especially this year, 2022. Our nation hangs in the balance and we have to bring it back to the Constitution and some stability. Yes, voting matters. Please vote. This is what adults do. And the last part is to love our country. 
And what do I mean by this is, what do I mean? I, of course, we can admire the beauty of America and all the different topography that's here. But what I really mean by this is we need to honor and respect each other as a nation. We need to love the people that were, that live here. We need to be polite to one another. We need to be accommodating to one another. If we're just hostile and name calling and degrading into doing weird things to each other, we will not last long as a nation. And this transing the kids and the public school systems run amok, by the way, get your kids out of the public school system. It's not a school anymore. It's an indoctrination center for the left. The public school system is not about education anymore. And I know that a lot of people who graduated from public school years ago or went to a college or university and graduated, you know, 40 years ago, like I did myself, a lot of my generation has to accept the fact it's changed. It's different. It is not like it was when we graduated. The public school system and the university system have slid so far left. It is not about education anymore. We have to stop giving them their money and we have to stop giving them our young adults. We have to stop supporting the system that's tearing down our nation. So this is what I mean about loving our country is to care about the people in it and to defend the defenseless and to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves, both the unborn and these children that are being carted off to have mutilating surgeries that's going to destroy their fertility forever. We have to love our country and loving our country means we have to love each other and care enough to say, no, this is wrong. Stop. Stop these surgeries that are chopping off healthy body parts of these kids. We have to stop that. We won't have a country. We'll be overrun. We, it will degrade. And so this is the way to rebel in this nation. This is the way to do it. Go to church, work, get married, have kids, buy a house, Buy a gun, learn how to use it, salute the flag, vote, and love each other, love our country, love what we've been given. This is it. There is no other place on earth to go. This is America. There is no other freer country on earth. And yeah, I know celebrities joke, well, if so-and-so becomes president, I'm leaving the country. Have you noticed that none of them have? Where are they going to go? There's no other place like the amazing prosperity and beauty and abundance of food and shelter and clothing like in the country of America. So those are that's my recipe for rebellion. That's my recipe to gain back the beautiful, amazing, free, heavily fought and died for by the patriots that went before us, America, the United States of America. I love our country. I hope you do too. And I know you do if you've listened this to my podcasts and listened to what I've been trying to say through these podcasts. Yes, I know you love your country and I hope you feel the same sense of urgency that I do, that we need to pray and vote and do these things to preserve this fabulous nation and bring it back in honoring marriage and honoring the family and honoring each other in the beautiful United States of America. If you like this podcast, please hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you listen on, and please share it with a friend.